And welcome to What's Your 20, your host, Carl Figueredo. Today we're joined with the incredible producer of the century, Marvin Marwar. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. Firstly, uh, I'd love it if you could tell, for me being a layman, I know I've used this term a lot, but me being a layman, what is a producer? Uh, I know on sets there are many different types of producers. Could you sort of outline what, what it is you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, people have asked me that so many times, and I am also figuring out what I exactly sometimes <laughs> do. But um, I think uh, so. Currently, I'm working as more of a line producer, mm -hmm. and uh, I also work as a production manager. But line production is kind of where I specialize in, uh, which is the physical aspects of production. Um, so it's basically dealing with the logistics and stitching that in with the creative aspects. Mm -hmm. So my job is essentially to Figure out uh, with the capital or the budget in hand, how do we achieve with making the product, which is the the script. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, essentially break down the story into the more finer components. Mm -hmm. So we, I deal with finding locations, hiring of the crew, um, cash contracts, and all that fun stuff. So it's very physical level of production um, that currently I'm working at mm -hmm. as. But um, there's essentially four levels of producers, according to me, um, I know it's changing quite rapidly these days. We have marketing producers, post producers, all that fun stuff too. So, yeah. Cool. And would I be correct in stating that the line producer is someone that who sees the production from start to finish? So you're still there until the post and everything's fully wrapped up? Or how does that work? How, how long are you attached to the production for? Yeah. Um, well, in my case, I think it depends. Um, sometimes I get hired for only the onset production mm -hmm. aspects. So I'll start with the show from when the script is locked. I'll stick around with the director. Uh, there's a, oftentimes a creative producer I can work at, work with as well, um, if I am not the creative producer in that sense. And the creative producer is oftentimes either the writer or even an executive producer or someone that, you know, is really there to develop the story of mm -hmm. the project. Um, so that's essentially someone that um, I talk with quite closely, uh, but the financial aspects of the project I am responsible for. Mm -hmm. um, I've been on projects uh, where I've been there literally from start to the end, even up till distribution. Mm -hmm. I've been closely attached. Uh, I've also been on projects where I am just there for production. Um, for commercials, generally, I only um, am with the project until the production of it and then I sort of move on to the next one or I'm there but like I'm basically <laughs> in spirit I'm like please yeah, do well <laughs> yeah, I'm basically like that divorced parent that is allowed visitation rights uh, that's that, that like, how we doing guys yeah yeah basically yeah <laughs> perfect okay so uh talk to me a little bit about like so you're mentioning a lot about budgeting I have heard and I'm sure this is wrong especially in the the non-union aspect that Every dollar you save of the budget, you get to keep. What 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 is it with this budget? If you go over a budget, is that something that is like oh like uh like is is it out of your pocket? Whose pocket is it out of? Can you talk more about this budgeting? Yeah, um, I personally have never really worked on a project, nor do I really give that advice out that every single dollar you save goes into your own po pocket mm -hmm. simply because. Uh, you actually never save any dollar. <laughs> There's always a place that dollar can go to. Yeah. Um, not just for film, I think any business. Mm -hmm. um, if you're saving something in production, well, that should maybe go towards post-production. Mm -hmm. If you're saving something in post-production, maybe that could be used um, in distribution. Mm -hmm. If you're saving something in distribution, maybe that can go towards your own production company. Mm -hmm. um, so that dollar can essentially go you know, somewhere, mm -hmm. I think, a smart producer or a good producer or you know even when you're starting out i think you should always ask yourself what do i want to make off of this project when you're budgeting because when you're budgeting you're also kind of figuring out what's a level of pay that i can take from this mm -hmm. project uh because you need to sustain yourself you yeah. need to pay your bills and then essentially after that really treat that as a its own production or like a startup right mm -hmm. where you're like essentially budgeting out all those um aspects so 
I never like to say that you can take that as a bonus mm-hmm. because we shouldn't really be in that mindset. Okay. We should always, I think, focus to put the money on the screen. Yeah. Um, so you should really get that, I think, clear cut. Um, so that that was some a learning opportunity yeah. for me personally when yeah. I started off as a uh, producer. In union world, it's very different. Yeah. It sort of is a corporate entity mm-hmm. where they will take that on, take that away and. Mm-hmm. In those uh, cases, the line producer or PMs can even get a bonus yeah. if they save certain uh, funds from that episode or the project. Yeah, so. got you. But like in the non-union sense, it's definitely something we should look forward to building your project because it's been mentioned a lot on this podcast. Every single role is just trying to elevate the project and even a, a producer should be doing the same thing. Do you look at yourself as someone who's meant to protect the crew or someone that's meant to protect the money that's going into the project? Uh, I think that's a very interesting question and really good question. I think both go in hand in hand because if you're at that level where you're simply trying to protect the money, it means maybe there's been a flaw in the budgeting of the project Mm -hmm. or the expectations levels of the project. Mm -hmm. The money and the budget should be designed in a way that it's engineered to protect the crew. Mm -hmm. And that really goes into the first conversations you have where you realize I have X amount to work with. What can I do with this X amount to tell a really amazing story as Mm -hmm. opposed to I have the budget to buy a six pack for my friends and I decide to buy a really expensive champagne bottle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to work, right? You're going to be stretched for <laughs> money. Yeah. So I think a good producer in that sense, when you're designing that budget, that budget should be a very realistic expectation of this is how we can make this product properly, safely, effectively, mm-hmm. efficiently. And we can like match industry standard. Well, Union, non-unions have very different rates, but at least we can afford to pay our crew something that, yeah. you know, they is worth their time. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, no matter the budget, the same amount of effort and work goes into either of them. Exactly. And just knowing, like, like giving your crew that sense of self-worth where it's like, look, man, like, even if you have to take a pay cut on this, eventually I want to be able to help you out or get you to that next level as well. Totally. And I think, um, you know, the I mean, the biggest learning uh, opportunity for me has really been um, to really get I think this, the main thing is to get inside the head of the creative mm-hmm. or the director, writer, mm-hmm. uh, creative producer, even if I am the creative producer, having that firm conversation mm-hmm. with, OK, this is an amazing idea. This is the amount of resources we have to mm-hmm. make this. How do we do this in an effective yet realistic manner? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just protecting the crew, it's actually protecting your director and your creative in a sense that they don't feel bogged down every time they have a vision or an idea where you're like, look at the checkbook, look at the checkbook, you know, like, so that's kind of where I really strive for where you're basically, it's like a fine balance. Mm -hmm. No, it's interesting because it is always that managing of expectations. expectations it's the managing of the expectations where it's like look we told you this is how much we had to begin with these are the reality is if we start doing all these dreams uh then we're gonna go over and you don't have your baby being created Mm -hmm. um one if we were to take it a step back when you get offered a project or someone comes to you with a script and like i have this i have xyz money um and I want to create it, and these are my deadlines. Do you come up with the deadlines? And also, how do you choose to go on to a project? Right. Um, it, it goes both ways. Um, I also work in uh, visual effects and animation, mm-hmm. um, and it's a pretty similar question. Um, and it, honestly, union, non-union, whatever entity you want to call it, it's exactly the same way because it's essentially a client coming to a vendor Mm -hmm. um, telling them these are my timelines and then the vendor going back to them being like, these are the timelines I can achieve this Mm -hmm. in. So that's basically how it goes. Uh, When someone gets to me, I give them my estimation of what I would take to make this happen and Mm -hmm. what resources I require from them. Mm -hmm. And then obviously if they think I'm the right fit to help execute it, then Mm -hmm. I get brought on. Um, I generally look at projects um, in a bit of a different way than I would two or three years ago. 
Um, at that point, it was just like, okay, what's the most exciting project? Yeah. Now, I think, I mean, I ask five questions, which is the first question is, okay, what is the premise concept? What are we working with mm-hmm. here? Um, the second one is the experience of the individual that's coming to me, really gauging, you know, where are they coming from at this? Because that's like the biggest thing, especially in non-union. Mm-hmm. You, you're oftentimes working with folks who have either been very, very experienced in their own right mm-hmm. uh, in a union sector, or maybe they don't have that much experience. Or the third one is they've been doing this um like they've been in the non-union world for a long time mm-hmm. um, and now maybe they're looking for that push towards union. Mm-hmm. So it's like those three kinds of personalities that you really interact with. Um, so I really gauge that. I mean, the third one's obviously how much am I going to get paid off of this project because <laughs> everyone needs yeah. uh, to pay their bills. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, the fourth one is, okay, what is the timeline we're hoping for? Mm-hmm. Um, I am a firm believer to be patient, develop as much as you can, Mm -hmm. go into pre-production with the thought process that we're going to solve all the problems in prep, not in production, not in post, there's no time. Mm -hmm. And so it's like really um, getting that idea, asking them questions, when are we hoping for this to be released, talking to, okay, what are the distribution timelines like, how big is the marketing delivery going to be with this project? Mm So it's, it really goes down to timelines, and um, I have worked on projects where I've been brought on super early, mm-hmm. also on projects where it's been a little too late, <laughs> where, yeah, you're just kind of like, okay, this is going to be a wild rodeo. Yeah. And uh, so it's gauging that. And then, I mean, the last question I like to ask people is, uh, what's in it for you? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing it? Yeah. And then I'll be honest why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Is it like, does this idea really excite me or... Am I just looking to get a payday? Yeah. Um, what, what, why do you want to do it as a portfolio piece? Is it something that is deeply personal mm-hmm. to you? Is this something that you're like, this is going to get me, get my foot in the door on the union side? Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't know, my dad just left me a bunch of money and I just want to go make something cool yeah. with my friends. Like what, what, what's the deal? Oh, cause it definitely sounds like it goes along with that tale of like, you're managing <laughs> the expectations. And I think, for some non-union projects, that's something that's missed out on the producer side of things mm-hmm. because it's like, if you have those questions to the whoever's pitching the money to begin with, when you get into the hard reality of shoot day and something goes AWOL and you right. need to detour, if you haven't already answered those questions in yourself, whether it's like, I worked a project where it was a it was a short film and we had to derail everything and we we're like, well, you can make an amazing proof of concept, but right. why are you doing this? If you're not asking those questions, then they're not managing expectations when it gets to the shoot. Day. Yeah. And and I mean, obviously budget is a very important question, but yeah. a lot of those details get refined more time. I mean, someone's gonna give you a hard number and then your, I mean, my job essentially starts breaking that hard number and being like, okay, this is how much we're going to have to work with, showing them a budget, being like, okay. Because it's essentially someone's bringing you a bag of money or not even a bag of money. It's like a grant that you're applying in mm-hmm. or someone is literally just coming up to you, gives me a script and tells me, can you just help make a budget and mm-hmm. tell me how much it's going to cost to make? And then I calculate the timeline. Mm-hmm. I break down the script and I'm like, okay, these are the, the amount of days. Yeah. So those questions do come later, but just knowing what's in it for you, what's in it for me goes a long way. Um, And I think the last important question, I don't know if I, maybe this is my top six now, but um, (laughs) stakeholders is very important to know who's going to see it, who is the person that's going to be calling the shots, Mm -hmm. because the issue that happens in a lot of independent movies or non-union shows, even union shows actually, is... uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, yeah. spoil the broth. Yeah. So it's really realizing, okay, ego aside, wh- who are we working with here and how many stakeholders do we have in this project, mm-hmm. right? Have you ever dealt with an experience where you've had a diva cook, per se? Or like, let's say your director goes AWOL, your actor goes AWOL, can you speak on that and like how how do you usually handle that situation on sets? Right, I think it's a fine balance. Um, I come from a large family, 
we've had there's multiple personalities in my family so mm. i've grown up being around that atmosphere so i can use that to my advantage and i can i've been used to that um i think oftentimes when that diva personality is someone who is a very key stakeholder mm-hmm. you actually need to be able to gauge that from the early on um if it's a director executive producer um you it's ba- when you're even when i'm even choosing a project it's oftentimes kind of like speed dating where yeah. you're like <laughs> really trying to ascertain is this person going to be someone i want to have like those late night talks with mm-hmm. where we're just really just trying to solve a problem and we can separate our our egos and we can figure out a solution yeah because i think a lot of my job is about responsibility mm-hmm. it's about accepting that responsibility like it doesn't matter if i forgot something if you forgot something the fact is i'm i'm the producer of this project i take responsibility for anything that goes wrong on this mm-hmm. that's fine it's it's like my burden to bear so it's like really finding that like do, will these individuals share that responsibility with me or will they just you know throw you under the bus kind yeah. of thing so that's a key part of mm-hmm. finding that with that diva personality what mm-hmm. is it that's going on um with an actor or someone that you experience on set i think you really need to know with those individuals to f- pick your battles yeah um for non-union shows lower budget shows oftentimes there are actors who are high billed cast members mm-hmm. who are literally the face of that project mm-hmm. if something happens with them they will walk away and yeah. if they are having that difficult uh personality i've thankfully only met a very few handful of individuals we've had a tough time with but it's basically with them you still need to have those conversations where you need to like put your foot down or draw like a line and a boundary yeah. and have like a very open conversation with them. So those things I think are established if the creative team or the producing team kind of you know like believes in an open concept conversation and mm-hmm. I think that goes on in work styles. One of the things I like to do when I am starting on a project is uh, have a very open conversation with key members that that's also in the past been actors and yeah. we just talk um this is who I am these these are the things I like doing outside of my work this is how I am as an individual mm-hmm. this is how I want this project to run um these are my expectations what are yours so it's basically like you sit there together and you figure that out yeah. and i've actually realized that goes a long way where people feel comfortable voicing their opinions and mm-hmm. not projecting their insecurities on yeah. each other so yeah so you know this big bad producer is coming on to send is like if i talk to him he's going to kill me <laughs> no no i i mean i i honestly think the biggest reason why i've managed to get projects consistently is because um i've been very thankful and grateful to meet so many cool individuals yeah. and i co- like to think of them as close friends you yeah. included yeah. so i i think that's just how my mentality is with any project it's yeah. like at the end of the day we're not a family cuz family can take me <laughs> I'll fight my family way more than I'll yeah. fight you. <laughs> yeah, we're but we're, we're a good group of friends, we're individuals that are yeah. coming together to make something. Definitely. So let's just have a very zen like peaceful mm-hmm. environment to make this product, right? Do you ever when you think of it as like oh, I'm just I'm making a cool project with my best friend. Do you ever have those instances where you're like um at the end of the day we're still in a business and I have to have this hard conversation with you. How does that usually go? Is it something that you look well, not look forward to doing but that you're comfortable in doing? Um 100%. I mean, as much as I am about the friendly atmosphere, mm-hmm. um I always like to say <laughs> and I learned this from another podcast that I really love, uh it's a show business mm-hmm. and the word business is twice as many words as the word is show. <laughs> True. So It, I mean if, even if I'm working with my own mother yeah. I would make her sign a contract. It yeah. just comes down to that and I always like to say hard conversations are only hard if you make them hard. They can be easily mm-hmm. solved by being transparent. Yeah. Um having a very overt relationship. I, I recently learned this thing about covert and overt relationship styles mm-hmm. where an overt relationship style is essentially where the other person feels heard and they know this is an equal relationship. covert is when there's one party that is maybe doing some things that the other party thinks of as unequal. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of those things even if I'm working with my friends is like let's sign a contract. Yeah. Let's figure out our stakes. Yeah. 
executive producer, Sam, let's put this on paper. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we're respecting the business part of this. Yeah. Because then no one really feels like, okay, is this is this okay? Is this fair? But mm-hmm. Because a lot of those things we negotiate right there. Mm-hmm. So I am a very big proponent of signing contracts, playing by the book, playing by the rules, and then, mm-hmm. you know, then moving forward. So uh, in the industry, when we're brought on as a crew member, uh, we sign a thing called a deal memo that will outline all their roles, responsibilities, right. how much they're going to get paid. Can you, is there, if I get my deal memo mm-hmm. and I'm told like, oh, you're only expected to do these things. And on the shooting day, I'm expected to do more. What would you recommend uh, a department person to do in that instance? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is what am I being, am I asking you for? Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I've had conversations where people are like, oh, um, where it's like literally like, oh, I, I'm supposed to be going to grab this random little thing on an errand. Mm-hmm. It's not part of my job description where mm-hmm. you're like, okay, no worries. Like it's literally a paintbrush, but no yeah. worries. We're, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Or I've been in also situations where it's a very valid concern and it's yeah. someone that's flagging, I am not equipped to do this. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, the Directors Guild of Canada has some amazing resources for mm-hmm. production managers, producers, because I think a big part of that starts with producers being educated. Yeah. Um, I've been working in the film industry since high school. I've worked a lot of different departments, so I do have some uh, a good amount of knowledge with mm-hmm. how each department likes to work. Yeah. Um, w- where someone, when they come to me and they're like, I am not sure if this is my job, mm-hmm. I can 100% be like, this is not your job. Yeah. You're not qualified for this. Please don't do it. Yeah. So for a average uh, crew member, I think if they're working and they're not sure they're ever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're feeling hesitant, I think the first thing is you inform your department head. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling that's not heard, please find the production manager. Please find the producer yeah. because it actually falls on them. If something happens to you and you've signed that deal memo, yeah. the person that's actually signed it back, whoever that is in the production mm-hmm. team, produce whoever that is, that can be the director's mother for all you know, mm. that person is responsible. So it's actually not just you, it's them too. It's it's a binded contract, right? So, so please inform them if you're ever not sure. Yeah. And uh, as an experienced member too, if you're not sure, then please talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked, wicked. No, that's a, it's always handy to know, especially I think it's one of those things that when you're starting out mm-hmm. on a production Nobody knows, like, even what a deal memo is. I've been on productions that I haven't even signed anything. I'm like, uh, what are my rights? (laughs) No, totally. And, I mean, uh, aside from whatever rules we have sometimes in the non-union world, we we live in Canada, there are labor rights, (laughs) and there's that code. So, I mean, I think these days when I've been interacting with people, Mm -hmm. more and more have been way more informed than even I was when I was starting out as a production assistant. So I'm happy to see that. No, it's definitely one of those things that we're progressing as a community to educate ourselves more on like what what are our rights and what are our bare minimum rights? Because I know when COVID was a thing um, and we had health and safety workers, it was a big thing of like we brought a massive department into a non-union, into a union setting, but Mm -hmm. they're all non-union workers. So they don't really have a union to back them up. And that was sometimes exploited for people. But it was great to find out that at a bare minimum level, uh, it's uh, WorkSafe BC is Mm -hmm. where you will always sit no matter what. Non-union, union production, you'll always sit at uh, WorkSafe BC level. And that's your union exactly and i mean a lot of shows um that i've been doing we've always made a work safe plan that goes through them it gets approved Mm -hmm. uh when we were making a series i remember in covid we had a covid safety plan which would get approved too and the cool part is as much as of a time commitment making those plans is you do in fact have like an actual organization Mm -hmm. giving you that i think with non-union sets ultra low budget indie student productions that sometimes gets a little too blurred so i mean the hope though i think would be to how can we make that a bit more simpler and Mm -hmm. easier so even a student production could essentially like figure that out super quick yeah no definitely i think like the other element to that is uh even on the lower budgets like Mm -hmm. student productions having that conversation like you're saying and like like really 
driving through like what you want out of it and like like what your expectations are managing right. the expectations is a very important thing to do even on those minuscule levels because the hope is that a producer or your director would be like look honestly we got three people in a camera hopefully we don't ask something too crazy of you yeah, yeah. and and it goes into um insurance as well yeah. that i think a lot of people I, I i just think uh i mean i went to film school i know a lot of people did but i think we honestly just need better resources for f- people that want to go into producing yeah. um i personally found a lot of great resources in the directors guild of canada mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently a member and I've gone through a lot of their courses mm-hmm. and that was really cool, but it also started making me think that we actually do need to have some more courses in the admin side, mm-hmm. um, quote unquote admin yeah. side of film, uh, just to teach up and coming producers. Mm-hmm. How do you get insurance? Yeah. How do you budget for that? How yeah. do you design a budget? How do you break down uh, location permits? Like, Because those are things that I think aren't the more like in the limelight but very much take from your budget on Mm -hmm. a daily basis Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing i would love to ask you is with your experiences on the uh the lower budget productions i always think of like the producer and even the ad more or less uh every role that's not completed on set sort of falls to the producer so uh this is for example like like when you're creating the production, it's not just let's bring everyone together. It's uh, you've got contracts that you need to get signed. You've got locations you need uh, agreements for. Right. Can you speak a little bit more on that? And like, like, is that your interpretation or, or what do you see as, I guess, what's the minimum number of producers you need or what, what are you happy with taking on board? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it just goes into, um, I, I've, I've been on projects where, Sometimes it's an ego thing about mm-hmm. who's getting credited. Yeah. I think having too many producers isn't a good idea, mm-hmm. but also if you're literally by yourself and the project <laughs> is literally something that you have multiple locations, mm-hmm. you have agreements, you haven't even hired a location manager, mm-hmm. then you best be prepared that you know, <laughs> you're know you going to devote a lot of your time yeah. to this project, and I mean a lot. Yeah. Um, I have always found I love working in production teams, mm-hmm. producing teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, I think the best kind of work relationships are mm-hmm. when you have two or three producers helping out, yeah. and you know you're 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 sharing that credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is the way to make low low budget productions happen. Um, on union side, high budget productions. I mean, there's no shortage of producers yeah. and. <laughs> Oftentimes, it's like four executive producers uh, on commercials. It can happen too, but I think on lower budget stuff, if you literally have your friends helping you with mm-hmm. these things, then please give them a title. Yeah, uh, everyone deserves credit. No. Uh, just because when you get into it, you're actually gonna realize you only have a limited amount of bandwidth, mm-hmm. and. I always like to tell people in prep there will be days when we're going super slow and mm-hmm. then there's going to be a week left and you're just going to be like, I need this, I need that, I yeah. need this. and So having that and really figuring out a good pipeline mm-hmm. and a workflow system is yeah. very key, I think, to yeah. a production. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of that scheduling. and yeah. Totally, totally. And, and having calendars, I mean, just like tracking <laughs> that workflow, I think, goes a long way. Definitely, because especially if someone plans something, they're like, ah, by the way, here's a meeting that you didn't plan for and you have a dinner. You're going to make someone really upset. <laughs> yeah, and or just uh, figuring out these are the key aspects, even if you're literally putting them down in a notepad and you're like this movie is set is a cowboy movie where Mm -hmm. we burn a couch okay we need a couch we need cowboy hats probably we need a house okay these are the key things what are the key things now we need for these things where Mm -hmm. it's like we need to go to a furniture store Mm -hmm. we need to go to facebook so it's it's really like putting that down and even a whiteboard when um i worked with an amazing producer um their name is Gil Netter, and they actually said it the best. They're like, half the time it's like trusting your gut, but having like that team mm-hmm. that can give you the confidence to trust your gut. And I really uh, believe in that uh, philosophy too. No, because it is, and again, this is something we've mentioned a lot on this podcast. We're in this collaborative environment. And even just like if we 
nut it down to just like the department, the production department. You have a whole team of people that you can rely on. And if you're not sharing that information within your team, how are you going to share this inf- or be expected to share this information with the rest of the departments? Totally, totally. And I think also when you're budgeting, keep that in mind. Don't don't be too greedy sometimes if you know you know you're paying yourself a fair amount uh, mm-hmm. spread that out a little bit more because i think the other thing is um as the budget sometimes start increasing you i i i haven't i've never been in that category but i have seen individuals where you'll clearly be able to tell that this production probably has a decent ish budget mm-hmm. But why is the production department so stretched thin? Yeah. Like, so, so spread that around. Get some more talented yeah. people. If you have more money to play with, mm-hmm. try and get that higher level talent because you actually will see a difference. Yeah. So that's the other advice too I give like young producers mm-hmm. or up and coming people. Like, yeah. like really look at your resources and s- try and find like a great person for this role, not just department heads, anyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do it in a safe and efficient manner, you know, yeah. so... Definitely, because it's one of those things, especially with the, the the lower tier productions, where like like lower budget, where you'll notice it's again one producer, and you don't have transport coordinator, you don't yeah. have your uh, production coordinator, and then you're wearing all these hats, and it's not sustainable for anyone, no matter the level of production, because. At the end of the day, if you don't have the extra resources, that's extra time for yourself and eventually and it's something we'll touch on more after the break it's something that will aid to disadvantage your mental state right and probably break you and that's like exactly a group that spends so many hours it's something that you don't want to happen on one production because you're probably wanting to do more than that yeah awesome well anyway we're gonna quickly break for a couple of minutes and then we'll be right back with marvin uh awesome and we're back on this side And we're back on this half of the episode with my man Marvin talking about producing in a non-union indie sense. So we've talked about many things already and like how you operate as a producer. But if I was starting out fresh out of film school and I was like, feel like producing, I had a good time producing at film school. Where do I go from here? How do I pick up projects? How do I get recognition? Yeah, totally. I mean... I think most people um, that want to become producers start immediately producing music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that sort of sometimes can lead into making commercials. Um, so my main advice would be, even if you necessarily don't want to do that, you want to go in narrative, mm-hmm. um, really start by asking yourself, what do I want to do in the next five years? Start from there. I think the big piece that I would also say to people is, uh, especially producers, Think of yourself as a business and really invest in yourself. Make that portfolio happen. Make that website. I think the other piece of advice I would say is it might suck, but just do it for a little bit even is just go on a union set and at least work as a production assistant Mm -hmm. just for a little bit even because I think one thing I notice in a lot of non-union productions is they don't really have a workflow or pipeline built Mm -hmm. in properly. One thing I like to do with non-union shows, because I've worked in union productions, mm-hmm. in the production department even, is I really like to institute a production, a union-style pipeline, simply yep. because it works. Yep. Um, so that's just something I would recommend to producers to yep. learn, because an effective pipeline can go on even without the individuals constantly needing to be there for that. Yep. And I think if, as a producer, you can institute that, you've won half the battle. Um, So, yeah, for up-and-coming producers, I would say understand that production pipeline. Mm -hmm. Um, Most importantly, uh, make connections, get some friends on board because they will effectively be the people you'll be making a lot of projects with. Just be nice to people (laughs) and, uh, you know, just be passionate, support other people, they'll support you. So it goes both ways. No, definitely. And it's like you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But it's very important about doing, putting in the hard mards in hard yards on the union like even as a union PA because they have these strategies in place for a reason and years and years of effort have been going into this to make it a finite craft yeah and it's exactly what you were saying um uh I think I was talking to you about it where uh when you're in the union if a problem arises the problem is 
vastly addressed and fixed. If it happens on a non-union project when you don't have those policies in place, it can really derange your whole project. Totally. And I think one thing that unions do have in the union side has, which I think any side can have, um, I also like to institute that in commercials a lot, mm-hmm. Uh, having that chain of command, yeah. I know some people think of it as a military operation, mm-hmm. but it really does help nip the problem in the bud super fast. Yeah. Um, I'm a big soccer fan, and uh, I was recently watching this documentary about Newcastle United, and the manager said this, and I really think most producers or directors even should take this moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I use this philosophy a lot when basically they were asked, do do problems stress you out? Do they make you anxious or yeah. worried? And he basically said, worry does something that's worry is in general is something that's not in part of my job category. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to worry or feel anxious. Yeah. And essentially what he was saying is when a problem arises, we need to solve it. Yeah. So that blame game, that worry yeah. goes out the picture. And that's something I really like in the union work structure mm-hmm. that I try and institute in a lot of non-union shows where I work at is have that chain of command solve that problem, keep it isolated, mm-hmm. don't like bring it out to your department heads or yeah. your director. No. If they don't need to know, then they don't need to know. Just solve it, move on. Mm-hmm. So that's just an important piece that yeah. I've re- uh, learned. No, that, that sounds like something very valuable that the new generations can take on because it is, it, it's one of those things like you've got a finite amount of time. Yeah. And if you're bickering about who's at fault, then you miss your day and then there's no extra money coming in to give you an extra day's worth of work because you tried to solve some shit on set totally totally and it just goes back to um, i recently had a conversation with a co-producer of mine we missed something and it was almost like we found ourselves in this conversation where it almost seemed like we're going to that place where it's like she said he said Mm -hmm. and i said doesn't matter um i think both of us agreed it's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Take the blame, move on. Yeah. Because no one's going to remember that blame, but everyone will remember that production and what that movie turned out to be afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because I always like to tell the uh, crew, I'm like, no matter how much we might fight right now, mm-hmm. going into the rap party or going into that movie premiere even, we'll just like look at that movie and that's how we will remember the product. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter that one little incident you had because we're all going to laugh about it like five years from now mm-hmm. anyways. So Definitely. Let's yeah. just, just move on. Yeah, it's uh, it's something I got taught in at, like my acting school back in the day where they're saying if it won't matter in five years from now, then it shouldn't really worry you right now. And that's like something to be said about these productions because it's like you got a three-day production and you're really going to like ruin a friendship or ruin a... Yeah. Uh, something with a colleague over this one instance that happened, then it's not really worth your time. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was I would like to ask you one question, mm-hmm. I guess too is we've worked together multiple times now, but and you work as a, a first assistant director yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what is something you look for in a producing team, and what do you look for? Like, what's the ideal producing yeah. uh, first AD? Or even a first AD director relationship for you. Yeah. So actually, one of the things when I'm hired onto an indie set is I'll always say to the producer, like, I'll do what you were talking about, like managing their expectations and saying like, okay, well, this is what I expect out of the, this is what I can bring on board. And these are my, like, my, like, if you do this, I will walk away. Mm -hmm. But more so on that, I just say that I like to run a no bullshit set. Like, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. If we're going overtime, I'll tell you and I'll come up to you. If like, if I can't solve the problem, I'm going to come up to you. But I also need that honesty from you in Mm -hmm. return, because it's one of those things. It's like, if you lie to me or say something to me on set where it's like, you feel like you're solving a problem, but I have... 20 other solutions for it that wouldn't derail the production Mm -hmm. it's something that can really like cause tension and uh and create a bad workflow in the environment um but also just doing a general like check to see if we vibe well because Mm -hmm. it's i find that the ad is one of those people that it's between like the production they're in between production and crew Mm -hmm. and they have to manage expectations from the producers to the crew but also in reverse and they're always the one that are uh, in communication with each other 
So at least on an indie level, I'm like, that these guys should be pretty tight knit. And if like you're bickering in the beginning stages, then it's not the production for you. Totally. But no, thank you for asking that. Oh. Um, so I want to reach the section where we talk about mental health and it differs from, uh, person to person. It also differs from production to production and department to department. What is something that you notice as a producer that either you've struggled with that you can, uh, give to the new generation or like something that maybe you don't do yourself that you were like, maybe this year, this is what I'm going to fix up, but more so like in your production team, well, what what happens? Where's the mental health at? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I think one thing I like to always encourage people um, that are going in leadership positions is, uh, like, own your shit. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean really own it and not just the good stuff, like the shortcomings even. Yeah. Talk to your team about it. Even if you're struggling with something on a personal level, sometimes I just like to tell people, yo, yo, I'm just having a hard time dealing with this. Mm -hmm. So just so they know, but also because I feel like when a leader is open and uh, Brene Brown had a really good TED talk about this. It's like when when you're open and when you're being honest Mm -hmm. about something, that makes other people be open. That level of trust is um, generated. Mm -hmm. So I think a core production team if you're just like being open to that, you never know that one office PA might actually be open to their coordinator yeah. or they might be open to you. Yeah. And you're just in that level where you can just be like, I can level with you mm-hmm. outside of all these job categories or whatever. Just be open. Yeah. And that I think goes on many levels, not just mental health, but even like the work where yeah. you can just give that feedback. Yeah. I think too many people in our industry go on without getting a not a performance review mm-hmm. but that that concrete feedback where that can help them improve yeah. so they they might go on ears just doing that job wrong or not yeah. understanding what that job is yeah. just because no one's ever told them not mm-hmm. you know so yeah. that i think goes on many levels and uh, i think the other thing is i just really tell a lot of people that i work with um just be conscious of when you're calling people or just be conscious of people's work-life balance Mm -hmm. um an important conversation i once had with an executive producer which uh they later came back to me and uh you know they 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 told me it made a lot of difference and i told them another producer once told me that's it's kind of funny we were in that cycle where uh a producer once basically told me that you know the reason why we don't go in ot even if we can always pay people Mm -hmm. and i said in my head, I was like, oh, save budget, save mm-hmm. money probably. And they're like, no, it's actually because you never know when that one person might be missing dinner with their wife, missing their kid's birthday, yeah. missing that even a cute little moment that they'll look back on in the next 20 years and think fondly of. Yeah. They won't really think back about these productions we all worked on. Yeah. So they, they just said, like, you know, like, that's why we value time so much. Mm-hmm. It's not just because, like... Uh, saving the budget, saving the schedule. Sure, those things are important mm-hmm. too, but it's mostly because respecting the workers' time or respecting yeah. the people that are helping make this happen yeah. because their lives outside of this are far more important than the production because yeah. they are human beings and you know they have uh, relationships that they need mm-hmm. to nurture and support. So that's just something I encourage people, like, like understand that work-life balance yeah. and work at it. And it's also been something I've been valuing a lot mm-hmm. uh, recently in my life. Yeah, no, definitely. Does uh, your relationship with your family outside of work, is it something that you look towards improving or how, because in the film industry, we do like, again, 12 hour days and I'm sure producers are working before we get to set and after we get to set or even once we've wrapped the project, your mind's still spinning with this. Right. What What's your work-life balance like and what ways do you look forward to either improving it or things that you can say like, look, I'm doing a really good job at like focusing to make sure that when a mental, uh, like when a struggle happens, you're able to deal with it. Yeah, um, I think for me, it's been for sure a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'll ever get to that level where I can be like, it's perfect. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever be. Uh, but I, every year, I think I do strive for it. Um, I think family, friends, and those things are extremely important to me mm-hmm. and in my life. Um, 
And that's just something I really go for. Um, I've also recently been taking therapy, which has been a yeah. big game changer in no, my 100%. life, at least. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, it's as a producer, I think, and maybe not just a producer, but a individual, I think the mm -hmm. hardest thing all of us will ever do is controlling our thoughts. Yeah. So that's been the biggest thing for me is mm -hmm. recognizing that this part of the brain now needs to be shut off for a few. Yeah. Because... Look, there's a beautiful dinner on this table. Yeah. All these people around you, your mom, your dad, yeah. partner, whatever, is all around you. Mm -hmm. You know, be grateful for that. Yeah. So I think that is the biggest thing. I think I recently read this quote, which says, oftentimes the past might bring depression, mm -hmm. the future brings anxiety, but the present, that's the gift. That's so, a really, really good quote, actually. That's just something yeah. I remember a lot, yeah. and I practice that because it's almost like... Yeah stay in the moment you know mm -hmm. like what are you looking at mm -hmm. because i find if i'm sitting here with you and mm -hmm. we're having a great conversation in my head i'm look, thinking about this budget yeah maybe yeah sure maybe i'll like help uh that might like help me solve a problem mm -hmm. but it might take away from the fact that i am like sitting here right now with mm -hmm. you in the present i actually don't know what might happen five seconds from yeah. now and me just constantly thinking about the next thing mm -hmm. brings the cycle where I just don't feel fulfilled in the yeah. present at all. Yeah. And it's just, it just continues. Right. So I think my biggest advice to producers would be, or any film professional, I think anyone just, just like practice being in the present, mm -hmm. you know, like just, just breathe. Yeah, no, definitely. And so it's actually one, uh, DOP that I work with closely, uh, uh Andy and Marco, uh, right. you've worked, uh, on Bucketheads, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, one thing that they do on set that I've really taken time to, uh, reevaluate mm -hmm. with is they, they say like, all right, like if everything gets a little crazy and we're, we're moving stuff around at a really fast pace and maybe moving it and we don't know what we're about to do, they will literally call out, all right, everyone just take a step back take a breath. Yeah. And then just think about what you're doing and like, like why you're in it. It's, it's something that like, it's, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's a minuscule thing, but it's something that I really hold to. And it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, like just like really ground yourself with where you're at, at this moment in time. And something that I really love that you're saying is have these conversations mm -hmm. with people and it, like, you're not in it alone and you having a voice to your colleague will also give them the open space to have a voice back in return. Yeah, exactly. And don't think of people as their job titles. I think there's the other thing. I think producing, writing, or like like our industry. It, it, this was mostly a budgetary term, by the mm -hmm. way. I sometimes think it affects people's egos mm -hmm. above the line, below the line. Yeah. I think that sometimes can lead these thoughts in our brain where we it maybe inflates our ego or makes us think about a certain thing. Mm -hmm. But all I think the other thing is just don't think of people as their job titles. They yeah. are human beings. Yeah. So, you know, have that conversation with, I don't know, production assistant. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of that as I began. Uh, a, a really great guest that you're, I think, going to have next week. Mm -hmm. um, I found that in them where any mm -hmm. question I would have, they would actually be looking through droves and droves of deal memos, they would actually answer that question to mm -hmm. me when I was their office assistant. And mm -hmm. I've, that's something I want to give back to people I work with. Yeah. So I think having those cool things are ultimately what changes this industry because we work far too many long hours. 100%. It's, it, it's refreshing to know that like we're going down a new path. And mm -hmm. I want to say the old ways, but not even the old ways. Like uh, uh, we're in a community that we're more so looking out for each other and recognizing that like at the end of the day, we are human beings and we're doing a yeah. job, even though we are very passionate towards those jobs. But at the end of the day, you're a human. Yeah. And I mean, I think I would actually spin this question back on you because mm -hmm. I mean, you have family, uh, not, not much family here, right? Mm -hmm. They're overseas. Yeah. How does, I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to like have my family it's a small family, mm -hmm. but close to me in this province. Yeah. How is your experience like managing that? Honestly, and it's not something that I've thought about too much, but it's something that I struggle with, not mm -hmm. not talking to my family overseas as much as I should because I've been very fortunate uh, to find 
family and my friends over here as well as like my relationship mm-hmm. and her family that that I look towards them as as my safe haven mm-hmm. and I'll bring up problems with them but it's it's actually I'm really, really glad you brought that up it's something that I should do more because like like these people have given so much time to me and I should give time back but to answer your question I don't talk to them enough <laughs> Well, but, but hopefully we're, yeah. we improve that. So. Exactly. And that's why we're having these conversations. Exactly. So we've reached a segment that I would love to ask you a few different questions that were sent in and delivered from the outside world. <laughs> so uh, first one, uh, how do you choose your department heads and what do you look for in those heads? Yeah, um, I think, uh, I mean, oftentimes it's we're going off of their portfolios. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I look for in a really good department head uh, when i meet them uh from i'll answer from the creative side first mm-hmm. but also maybe logistical side i think at times um and this was a revelation to me a couple of years ago when i worked on a project that taught me a lot um personally i look at when i'm interviewing a department head i'm not necessarily looking at someone who can tell me i'm gonna make this for the most cheap amount you can get mm-hmm. this or I'm going to get this for the easiest amount. It'll be easy, painless, cheap. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking for someone that can be like, this would actually look great on the screen, and I'm actually passionate about the story, and this mm-hmm. is how we can tell it. Yeah. And I'm looking for something who can sell themselves that way as yeah. opposed to we can do this very cheaply. Yeah. Uh, really great producer that I think has, I think, made a lot of good impact in our industry. Uh, Mr. Sean Williamson at Bright Light Pictures said that the best. Mm-hmm. I think... In the Canadian film market, we actually have an issue where HODs have a problem with like properly pitching themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes we fall short from the American talent because we might always go cheap, fast, easy. But I think it's the opposite where we need to go with this is the best piece for this product, which Mm -hmm. will help elevate the game. And I think on the admin or technical side too, I'm often looking at people that might be like, this might cost a little more. But in the long term, this will actually help us way more. Mm-hmm. So it's oftentimes these are the resources I need as opposed to I can actually do this cheaply fast. And mm-hmm. then it turns out we're all struggling for the next two weeks. Yeah. So that's, I think, something I look in a department head. And the other thing I look at is how do I gel well with this person? Can I just shoot the shit with them for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes too? Can we just talk about that random game of soccer because that actually talking about those random little things gives us the confidence to have a very open conversation about certain things. And I think the last thing is ownership. Like do they understand that they are the protector and safe haven of their department? Mm -hmm. Because when I look at a department, that department represents them, not so much the people that work in that department. And those people represent me. Yeah. So does that relationship gel well? Definitely. That's that's an awesome way to put it. Uh, so follow up on to that question. Uh, how much freedom do you give your department heads when choosing their team? Oh, I, I think all the freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> You're like, these are how many people you can have. Go for gold. Yeah, I mean, I think these are, I think it's more like, how many people do you feel you need? Mm-hmm. How many people can I provide you? Yeah. Let's meet in the middle. I, I don't think you should ever be like, you can have X amount of people Yeah. if you don't know what that day-to-day is. Because mm-hmm. I think as producers, oftentimes you're looking at a big picture of the project. Yeah. So many moving parts, prep, production, this. But if for that art director, they are just concentrating on those sets being built hell they're maybe talking about a paint being sourced yeah and for you to tell them these are the amount of people you're gonna get mm-hmm. as opposed to them giving you a list of their bid days or mm-hmm. being like this is how much crew i need yeah. and then you can have that conversation but at least give them that ground to bring you that mm-hmm. first look i think too many producers that are starting out get super anxious when they get that preliminary budget yeah um whereas you should look at that and then be like okay let's chat about it let's meet yeah. in the middle i have these many resources as opposed to you going and being like you got x amount of money stop it there because mm-hmm. then that just killed creativity yeah but you need to let these people like flourish and like nurture that you know so yeah. so i think the the important part is it's it's very much a fine balance 100 percent, 100 percent. uh what's the most fun enjoyable part of your role Ooh. Uh, Making the budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love bringing people together, and I love 
uh, pitching. I I actually really enjoy uh, hiring uh, HODs or even the audition process. Mm-hmm. Um, development is something I really love to talking with the writers about what it could be, what it can't. Uh, story, I think that's an important thing. And I think the other part is the, these days come so randomly, but I'm sure most producers can relate to it where um, a good friend of mine, Bailey, mm-hmm. put it the best. It's like that time it strikes in the afternoon all of a sudden the pieces are coming together and you're just in a frenzy of calls hiring Mm -hmm. people getting the project rolling and all of a sudden now you have like 20 people working on the project you were literally talking about four weeks ago on paper i think that's the coolest part for me it's like bringing people together having those like that process of like prep pre-production when you're like getting into that mode i really enjoy that I love just bringing people together in general. I think the other part I love is working with my friends. Um, I oftentimes will find myself work with the same people over multiple years simply because I really value those relationships and Mm -hmm. I nurture them. And that's just something I really enjoy. I I love like going to set sometimes doesn't really feel like work because I'm working with friends. No, and I think that's one of the things that's like really driving our community right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, at the end of the day, you put uh, like like sixty hours more, sixty hours yeah. plus in a week uh, to a project, and you want to do it with the people that you cherish because at the end of the day, it makes it easier. Hundred percent, and and a uh, fun community. Next one: What is the most expensive aspect of most projects? Mm. Um, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it's uh, two things. I think it's uh, construction of. And if we're just talking about physical production, yeah. I know most people think cast and stuff. For sure, they're very expensive. But maybe I'm going to hint at aspects that you didn't think might be that expensive. I think it's three things. It's uh, um, locations, yep. um, construction of sets, so ca- like those things. Mm-hmm. I think the third, actually, I'll add two more things. Um, fuel, gas. That's an interesting one. I never even thought about fuel or gas being, yeah. Yeah, when you have multiple trucks, cars, sprinter vans um, going around, that's, mm-hmm. that can add up quite a bit. Yeah. I think the fourth thing is garbage. Um, yeah. Yeah, get especially in like non-union, like just getting rid of your garbage. Yeah. Where does it go? I know this one location manager, <laughs> I love working with this guy, and he always gets stressed by the lunch. And I... Never questioned him until we worked on a project where we had, I think, 250 people or something that day. And I remember we just, I was just looking at the cost of disposing all this garbage, and I was like, wow, this is going to come out to be a lot. And gas, too. And I think those things are so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be one advice to any producer. If you're starting out and you guys are filming outdoors, first thing you should be thinking about is power. Mm-hmm. Where are you getting that? Because generators... <laughs> Trucks, all that fun stuff do require a lot of gas. And how does it get to the yeah, set? <laughs> which is a whole other yeah. process in its own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you ever been on a project that collapses slash runs out of uh, budget before it starts shooting, and what causes that type of implosion? I have never, thankfully, and I hope this never happens, been on a project which runs out of money even before the first day of shooting. Um. I have been on tighter projects and projects that are, yeah, that are very much, you're just kind of praying to God every night this goes through. Yeah. Um, I have, though, been on projects which just don't get enough traction or development falls mm-hmm. flat. They don't get the financing they need that never see the light of day. I've been on those for sure, mm-hmm. um, but never on one which has ran out of money. I think mm-hmm. if it runs out of money... That, didn't do their job. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be that, or the budget just wasn't realistic. Um, something happened in development. Maybe an actor took took a trip to Italy, mm-hmm. lived on a really expensive hotel, and used the production credit card. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've been on projects where they sounded very excited about it, and then three weeks later, we got the call. This is not happening. Mm-hmm. I have budgeted for enough projects where budgets go through and they realize that this is too expensive mm-hmm. and we just need to spend more time, yeah. Sure. 
uh, how uh, how do you choose what aspect of a project deserves a larger cash allocation? Um, I think a lot of those meetings happen early on with the director. Um, I think our department meeting is quite key. Mm-hmm. Um, or even from the story points, you can kind of gauge that idea what is really going to sell this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to directors who really want like a vintage timepiece vibe automatically then you know art department and costumes will need a significant amount of money yeah um i've also been on shows where it's maybe a special specific item a specialty equipment Mm -hmm. or maybe it's like a it's like makeup um visual effects so i think a lot of those things happen if you break the story down properly just have that first meeting with the director and you can pretty much identify right there okay this is this is what's going to happen um sometimes I've also like budgeted for projects literally from like a treatment mm-hmm. where over a cup of coffee, they're like, here's a treatment. Yeah. I read the treatment and it's like battle in the space, this yeah. and that. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, well, we're spending a bunch of cash and VFX here right off the bat. Yeah. And uh, studio space might come next and makeup and costume. So mm-hmm. I think those things happen if you break down the story or episode effectively. Yes. Yeah. You so can. you get like a general idea on first impression of the story. Right. Yeah. And after that, you go into detail where mm-hmm. obviously um, there's a portion of my day where I'm just gathering quotes. I'm yeah. calling around town, mm-hmm. gathering my estimates, comparing them, finding out if this is, works better for us mm-hmm. versus that or uh, talking to the HODs and having that conversation. Okay. What's a better deal for our show? Mm-hmm. In uh, in a union sense, so, I mean, uh, and I'm going to ask you this question based on my experiences. So in union land, uh, the PM or the producers, they'll do their original budget. Mm-hmm. But then it's also each department head yeah. needs to also give their own budget. Right. Does that happen in non-union? Or is it you do a budget and you're like, this is how much you guys can have. Let me know if you need more or let so, me know your allocation. So... Um, I, I mean, union land is similar. Um, I work very similarly to union land actually, um, because in the union structure, what happens oftentimes is there's a preliminary budget Mm -hmm. versus a final budget. And there's a conversation that happens between that. Um, I also institute the same things with a lot of my HODs where we will request them for a final number. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like the idea of sometimes giving them that number, because oftentimes that might kill one component of the project, but mm-hmm. also like majority of the job can be, we have a pot of money and we're just moving it around. Mm-hmm. So maybe something else is coming a little cheaper. Um, or oftentimes I ask them for a breakdown where I look at things and then we have a conversation. Okay. Like recently we were doing this one thing where we needed a uh, slushy machine. Yeah. So there was a bit of a conversation that happened about that slushy machine. Where is it coming from? What kind of slushy machine is it? Can we live with something else? Mm-hmm. By the end of it, we realized actually that whole thing can just be solved with like an actor holding a slushy instead of a machine. And that freed up some money that the costumes really needed. Mm-hmm. So I like to go with, about it as that where I really tell these people, and I might even hint at the figure a little bit, mm-hmm. but I always tell them, make a preliminary budget. Tell me how much you need. Yeah. Then let's sit down, have that conversation. Because if you like automatically just pin a number to them, two things will happen. Either they'll hit that number exactly, and yeah. there's going to be no room to save. Mm-hmm. Or two, they'll just it'll just kill creativity where the other person just feels exhausted. And that's not what our job is. Our, mm-hmm. our job is to protect HODs protect that creativity right so nice Nice. that's a good way to put it awesome and what else do we have here we've got uh how do rap parties and career gifts get budgeted and planned so as far as i know there's no official budget that gets made for that a lot of it comes from contingency and padding and that would be one advice to any producer that's coming on. Please, please, please make sure you're giving yourself adequate padding in that budget to protect from <laughs> damages yeah. or anything that might happen. Um, a lot of times it happens with the producers pay a percentage from their own salary mm-hmm. into that. Uh, I've worked on union shows where the cast and producers will pay a little amount for mm-hmm. the rap party. I've also worked on a project where it's really big shot executive producer just funded that party completely by themselves. 
Um, on the union, non-union side, we sometimes deal with a production leftover that yeah. doesn't necessarily need to go in post-production because mm-hmm. our post-production budget is a separate deal. So we just use that those funds to have a wrap party. Yeah. There's no official place we put yeah. a party, quote-unquote, uh, but gifts do get put into the budget sometimes. Nice. Um, yeah, but it, major, majorly it's uh, whatever's leftover or someone, a couple people are like, we'll pitch in this together. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on uh, What's Your 20. I really appreciate the input and the advice that you've given to the next generation. And hopefully the viewers are able to take something back from it. And uh, at least they know where to go from here. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. This was awesome. And uh, yeah, it was super fun. And uh, if, uh, you know, like, I really hope this encourages more producers to kind of step into the uh, vein of filmmaking. I think we have way more outlets than we ever did now. Definitely. So it is the perfect time to go out and create something with your friends. Yeah, hundred percent. And if someone is watching this and they they want to hire you, where do they send a message? Yeah, totally. Um, well, my Instagram is at Marv Marwa, so it's super easy to get a hold of. Uh, my website link is right there, so my email's listed on there. You can uh, approach me. Um, if you're sending me a script, I can't promise I'll read it, but, uh, I'll at least have a conversation with you if I have the bandwidth. Um, yeah, but that's kind of in a nutshell, uh, email me, don't flood my email, uh, <laughs> and uh, please don't send me, uh, ideas from ChatGPT. <laughs> Perfect. And lastly, um, what can we put at the end of this video? Do you have a demo reel? Do producers have that? Should I just put your resume at the end of this? Do you have a piece of work that you're really proud of? Yeah, totally. Uh, a demo reel would be great. I do have one. Uh, it's cool, cool little thing you asked, actually. I don't know if many producers do. I have a website. That's my portfolio. But uh, if you're coming up and coming, I would strongly recommend have a build a demo reel or a portfolio or website at least. It uh, goes a long way. Awesome. Well, thanks once again, my man. Uh, pleasure as always. Yeah, I'll see you on the next mine. one. Thank you. <laughs>